Okay, let's grab a seat, everybody. How many of you have had the Perspectives Missions course? Hold your hand up. You've done Perspectives. Okay, I think I was in one of the first uh, Perspective classes about 20 years ago. It's one of the reasons why this church loves missions. In the lobby or by the doors, we have a catalog of all of our global partners, all the different things in mission we support, so please pick one up per family. If you're one of our global partners and you're in the room, would you just stand up so we could recognize you? Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Make sure you get to know these folks after the service is over. Thank you all. And uh, everyone pull out the yellow card that you have. If you're a guest and you're new to the church, please don't worry about this. But this is something our home family's done, and we've done it for almost 30 years. We're an unusual church. We don't take up offerings, and yet our people give like crazy. But they give out a commitment. They give by faith. They give out of trust in the Lord's work. And so what we've done is we've given out these yellow cards for all these years. And end of the service, as you'll see, a lot of people at the first service walked forward and turned in their yellow cards. And so the first box says, I believe in tithing. I'm in. Uh, and this is what I estimate will be my tithe for this next year. You will never be uh, asked or called about it. But the board will help set their budget on that. The next little box, do you see it? It says, I'm not quite there, but I want to get started. This is what I estimate my giving to be. And the third box is my favorite box. It's for faith promise. Everyone say faith promise? For our missions. That's how we raise money for our missions ministry. And so it's asking the Lord next year to put over and above in your hands a certain amount for missions and you're saying as he does that i will give it and so uh, my wife and i've done this all these years we check the boxes and at the bottom is something even more exciting i feel a, a call to the gospel ministry and if you feel that we want to talk to you or i want to go on a short-term mission trip in the coming years or i would like to take one of these uh, global partners and pray for them and stay in touch with them in this next year. And uh, so at the end of the service, during the last song, people walk forward and turn them in. This is my friend, Josh Bold. Everyone say hello, Josh. We love Josh Bold. Josh will tell some of his story. He is the president of Ames uh, International in Colorado Springs. They are doing ministry. I'm on the board. It is kind of hard to get our head around. Things are moving so fast. A couple of years ago, out of that ministry, there were two churches being planted every day. Now it's up to six churches a day in about 41 countries. And people are coming to Christ and people are hearing the call to the ministry. And so we're very grateful. Stretch your hand out to, towards your brother. Father, thank you for Josh. Thank you for his wife, Bevan, and, and their children. Lord, we ask that you'd strengthen them. Anoint him today as he preaches. 
And Lord, I pray against any discouragement today in the room or people watching online. We just yeah. bind that up in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And we release light and faith and hope today and a word from God. Mm. In Jesus' name, everyone amen. said amen. 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 All right. Well, good morning, Church of the Savior. I'm so excited to be with you on your mission weekend. This is a very cool expression of God's heart. You know, sometimes we don't feel like cooking at home, so we'll go to Costco. And you know those little sample stands? If you're strategic enough, you can get about a six-course meal at Costco. But, you know, it's a sample of everything that they got in the store. And I feel like when you're in this uh, front lobby out here, this is a sample of what the kingdom of God is like. You know, it's a diversity of callings, a diversity of operations, a diversity of people all gathered for one reason, the name of Jesus. And this is a wonderful place to be. Amen. Yeah, I'm uh, so honored that Pastor Steve's been on our board since before I was with the ministry, I, I think. And I came on with Ames in 2011 after having served in Iraq as a full-time missionary and, um, I want to share with you today what I believe is a word from God for every one of you. And you know, before I came here, I was praying and I was fasting and I was asking God to talk to me about what he wants to talk to you about. And so I believe that what you're going to hear today is not an eloquent speech or a well-prepared message that I preach all over the place. This is something that I believe God wants to talk to you about. So I'm going to ask you to join me. And um, before we do, I just want to pray and offer this time to him. Lord, I just honor you. Jesus, I declare that you have authority in this room. God, that you have authority over every type of thing that has been trying to hold anybody in this room back. Lord, whether it's been depression, fear, anxiety, lack. God, I just declare that chains are broken in the name of Jesus in this room. We release the fullness of your kingdom in this place. And declare that you have authority here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move in our midst. Speak to us today. Move our hearts into alignment with what you desire for our lives. And we declare that our lives this time is submitted to you. I pray that you receive it as an offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my name is Joshua Bold. I'm 43. I've been married uh, to my wife, Bevan, for 17 years yesterday. And we have two kids, Haven and Honor. Yeah, we got to celebrate in Kentucky our 17th wedding anniversary. But I want to share with you three things that I believe God wants to speak to each of you about you. I want to share with you about God's commission to fill the earth with his glory. And I want to share with you three things that I think every single person in this room should action as a result of you being here today, okay? You with me? So we're gonna move fast. I'm gonna share a lot of scripture with you. But before I do, I wanna share with you what, about what God did in my life. I don't know your story, but you know the word of God says in Revelation that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did, and by the word of our testimony. And so my testimony is this. As a young man, I was raised in a Christian environment and I had no knowledge of God as my Lord, as my Savior. I didn't know his presence. And I got into heavy drug and alcohol addiction. By the time I was 15, I was a full-blown addict. 
to hard drugs. I lived a criminal lifestyle. At 25 years old, I was devoid of any meaningful relationship. I had broken relationship with my family. I was completely, I had lived in the streets. There was times where I'd have a back, backpack full of dope, but nowhere to lay my head. I was a destroyer of lives and I was completely hopeless. And yet somebody pursued me with the gospel. It was in February 2005, my dad had given me a Bible for Christmas. He said, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to give you the word of God. And I'm going to hope that at some point you come to a place that nothing else is going to settle but God's word in you. And I was totally alone. I was in my apartment in southern New Mexico feeling completely alone. A heaviness almost so heavy that you could feel it in the room like a darkness. And out of desperation, I grabbed the Bible and I opened it and it said in Psalm chapter 8, God, our God, your name is majestic in all the earth. And you read a little bit down further. You know what it says? Who is mankind that you're thinking about him? Who are we that you would visit us? And all of a sudden I realized that after all the bad decisions I had made, after all the destruction I had caused, after all the relationships I had broken, that there was still a creator God that wanted me. And I cried out. I came to a worship service a lot like this one. And I cried out to him and I said, Lord God, I don't know who you are. I don't know how to get to you. But I've heard my whole life Jesus saves. And I don't need you to make me into a Christian, but if you'll save my life, I'll give you everything I have. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. My life will be yours. And in one moment, church, the spirit of God collided with my universe. He lifted up addiction off of me. He lifted up guilt and oppression off of me. He opened my eyes to see things in a beautiful way. All of a sudden, my heart was flooded with his love and I couldn't contain it. I, in fact, I went outside to smoke a cigarette I'd been smoking since I was a little kid. And the cigarette made me throw up. I was allergic to cigarettes in one moment. And so God supernaturally cleansed me and freed me from the power of darkness. And now because of what he did, I have a desire for every man, woman, and child on the planet to know the same kind of freedom and power and love that I've known. And so that's what I want to talk to you today about. But you know, when I said, God, I'll give you whatever you want. You know what I really meant? Help me. (laughs) I had actually no intention of giving God everything, I don't think. But he saved me anyway. (laughs) And I think that's how it is with Jesus sometimes. We just say, Lord, you know, I'll never do it again. Just save me. Um, And in his goodness, in his mercy, he comes and saves us. But you know, the book of Romans chapter 10 says, if we confess that Jesus has, is our Lord, is our Savior, and accept him as our Lord, then we'll be saved. And it's a real easy for us to let him save us, but to make him our Lord is something different. And I learned that because after I got saved, it was like, man, the Lord was doing amazing things. I went through Bible school. He, he restored my relationship with the woman of my dreams. She had left me and moved to Uzbekistan just to get away from me. And, um, and he restored our relationship. We got married. And I was like, yes, God, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden he's like, I want you to move to Iraq. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I didn't sign up for that. He said, yes, you did. 
<laughs> you did sign up for that. No, actually what happened, I was working in a, in a bank as a mortgage lender. And my partner was from Afghanistan and the subprime market was crashing. And this man was losing everything in his and as I had just graduated Bible school and I wanted him to know Jesus and he wanted me to become a Muslim. And so I was studying about Islam and I was wanting to convert him, you know, but, uh, what happened was God gave me a love for him. And then he started to give me a love for the Muslim world. And then he gave me a vision of people in Iraq. Well, I'd actually didn't know what country it was, but he gave me a vision one day of people sitting on the side of a mountain And they were cloaked in darkness. Darkness was covering them. And over them was a shadow. And he showed me the light of his glory coming to this mountain. And it started to break over the the valley and come up the foothills of the mountain. And then it started to break over their heads. And what were heavy eyes started to be lifted up. And what were heavy withdrawn faces began to be filled with joy. And then they began to dance on the side of the mountain. Sorry, but that is such a real vision to me still today. I didn't know who these people were. But I ended up, we received a call to go to the Kurds of Iraq. And I learned later on that their name, they call themselves the people that have no friend but the mountains. They call themselves the orphans of the universe. They They're the largest people group in the earth that has 40 million people in no country to call home. And the Lord called us to them. And so we we had the honor of getting to serve those people for five years. So after five years, we had seen very little fruit and God called us into Ames. And I just want to tell you that you guys are global partners with us now and we're seeing God do amazing things. But to let you understand a little bit more about what Ames does, I want to share with you about the reality of the unreached. Because right now, guys, we're so privileged. We're in a church where we have access to Bibles. And look at this fellowship we're having. Like we have awesome pastors. But there are people in the world today that have no access to the Bible, no access to a Christian. They've never even heard the name Jesus. These are 7,000 unique nation groups, 3.2 billion people. It's 40% of the world's population. And of these people, please hear me, every day 60,000 of these people die and they've never even heard his name. After serving for a few years in Iraq, I came under the mentorship of the founder of this ministry, Dr. Howard Foltz. And he began to coach me about how God wants to work through every believer to see the great commission become the great completion. And I believe that if we come together as the body of Christ, that these statistics can change. That every family, every city, every nation, and every ethnic group on the planet can know the love of Jesus. And so I want you to see this video and understand how we're working together to see the gospel Go to the unreached. People are always like, well, I'm not called. I don't like traveling or I don't like going overseas or I don't have a lot of money or, you know, I don't have a lot of time. Whatever it is, the limitation that you might feel, I would just say recognize that there's so many people waiting on the gospel and that their eternal destiny might lie on the other side of your obedience. And if you realize that you saying yes to something that God's calling you to do 
could affect the eternity of someone else. I think that would change how we interact with our families. I think it would change how we uh, operate within our communities, how we conduct business in our day-to-day -day lives. But when it comes to aims and realizing, hey, there's nations who will never know of Jesus. There's cyclical poverty and, and terrible things happening in the earth that could change if I said yes. What are you asking me to say yes to? I'm asking you to say yes to being a part of reaching the unreached. When Bevan and I went to Iraq, now we didn't speak the language yet and we didn't know the culture well, but we were willing to go. And a lot of people thought we were just crazy, but our whole thought process was let's go preach the gospel, start a church and reach a million Kurds. And five years in, we had baptized 16 people and started one church. And we realized that that just wasn't going to cut it. To reach a million, we'd have to live, I don't know, 2,000 years in the earth. That was a hard reality to swallow. It was a challenge because even if we had the language, even with the culture, our neighbors loved us, but they thought, you guys are American, that's why you're Christian. And this Jesus is for Americans, it's not for us. I'll never forget Diaco. This boy was raised in, in the mountains of Iran. He had never met a Christian. He had never seen a Bible. Seeing him accept Christ and realizing that that one life might be why the Lord would take us to bullets and no electricity and heat and no family and whatever, knowing that that one life was why. He was so contagious, like he shared the gospel with everybody. So what we learned was we need to raise up these native missionaries. Something clicked in me and I thought, then I can do that for the rest of my life. Like, I don't have to live there, I'm gonna miss it, but I'm gonna give my life to mobilizing and waking up the body of Christ. And that's what we do through Ames. Once we were baptizing these young men and women and they were sharing with their families, we saw the work moving faster. The impact that they would have within their communities and their circles was profoundly bigger than what we had. It was no longer a foreigner doing it. It was someone from within these people. And that shifted our whole way of thinking. What if no one ever knows our name? What if we're never recognized as the heads or the leaders of this? What if the million coming to Christ started with the one that we would get behind? And so now we're on a track to raise up those people to go and preach the gospel to those unreached groups that they are from or that they live near.
our goal at Ames is not that we are financially supporting just with no end in sight. We want to deploy missionaries for one year. Like that's the goal is that we could get partners who will help us send missionaries for a year. But the goal is that these missionaries become self-sustaining because that is empowering to them and that's honoring to them. So to do that, we are helping to develop these holistic sustainability projects. And they've come up with their own ideas, barber shops or goat farms or pig farms. And these projects end up financially sustaining the missionary long-term. Ames exists so we can take the message of Jesus to those who have no access. We're asking you to participate. We're asking for every Christian to say, my heart burns to see the kingdom of God come in the world in a greater measure. God, use my life for this. If we can have Christians start praying for the lost, adopting unreached people groups, participating to send native missionaries, and partnering to fund sustainability projects so that the kingdom of God can come and transform society, we'll see the Great Commission become the great completion in this generation. All right. So... A video says a lot more than what I can explain in a couple of minutes. And I wanted you to see that because now I hope you understand that God shifted us from being the ones in the field trying to do it all on our own to being those who are trying to lift up the hands and get underneath people and send out an army of laborers into the harvest field. Um, Right now, guys, I'm so honored to tell you that the guy, Diaco, that you saw, he went through... A series of events. He was a refugee. He left to join a political party uh, to fight the government of Iran as a young man. We found him in a castle and um, one of Saddam Hussein's old war palaces. My wife and I were going into these palaces to teach English language to freedom fighters. And uh, it was a way that we got access to them. It was pretty intimidating. We'd walk into these, a guard would have to let us into a little tiny locked gate in this castle, and you'd walk past all these anti-aircraft machine guns, <laughs> and we were teaching English to these freedom fighters who were just sweet, violent men. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, but in it, we found this one guy. And I can tell you that the minute that we saw how God was moving through him, we said, this is what we've got to do. And so as we're talking about missions this week, we're talking about the Great Commission, I want you to understand that God is calling all of us to, to join him in this work. And I'm not going to ask every single one of you to get, into, get on a plane or get on a boat and go into a, a you know, desert region with anti-aircraft weapons. But I'm going to talk to you about what God's calling us to and what he's speaking over you. Diaco now works with us at Ames and he's a part of raising up our teams global. We, we have teams in 41 countries right now. And you, uh, you saw about the sustainability projects. We have about 50 active small businesses all around the globe that are helping sustain dozens of missionaries full time. Through agriculture, we have goat farms, pig farms, cane rat farms in uh, North, North Africa, and it's absolutely amazing. So now let's stop talking about Ames and let's start talking about the Great Commission and what God's calling you to, because I believe he wants to speak to you this morning. So according to Barna, George Barna, Center for Research, 80% of Christians do not know what the Great Commission even is. And I'm not going to ask you if you do. Um, But I want to share with you about what God is wanting to do through you, his church. 
See, Jesus came after thousands of years of covenant relationship with God's people and prophetic declarations about who he would be and what he would do. He came on the scene and Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived this powerful, sinless life. He performed miracles, raised the dead, and then he, he laid his life down willingly. The word of God says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. He didn't do it because we had already made the right decisions or already committed to him. He did it so that when we did, we could experience his love and his power. Amen. And so he laid his life down on the third day. He rose from the dead and he said, I now have the keys to sin and death in my hand. All the chains that have held humanity back, they don't exist anymore. If you'll just call on me, let me save you. Let me be your Lord. But when you do that, all of a sudden you enter in to his kingdom dynamic. And his kingdom dynamic says, darkness no longer can rule in your world. And I've called you to go with me and destroy the works of darkness. So that's the great commission to extend the kingdom of God until his glory covers the earth the way the waters cover the sea. Now, when you think about the world, if I ask you, what are the dark places? What are the dry places? You might not think Iraq. You might think about a relationship or a segment of your community or an area of your life. But I want to tell you that Jesus is so desiring to see the light and the power of his kingdom transform the world that he has a plan to not only redeem those areas near you, but to redeem those cultures who may be far from you. Okay, that's the great commission and he's calling you into it. But I want to share with you three things that I believe God is saying about you. And when I was saying, God, what do you want to say to Church of the Savior on this missions weekend? One of the things he says is I want you to tell them that I'm calling them to come up higher. He's calling you to come up higher. Well, what does that mean? See, in the world, when we think of higher, we think of a promotion. We think of more money. We think of more time off. But what Jesus thinks is higher. See, in John chapter 13, when he revealed to his disciples that he was the king of the universe, that he had all authority, you know what he did? He took off his robe, his outer garment. He bent down and he began to wash feet. To cleanse people. And he says, you know what I'm calling you to? I'm calling you to come up higher. Now, what I want to share with you is in the context of this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to turn there and I encourage you to as well, if you'd like to. If not, I'll read it for you. But 2 Corinthians 3 says that people's eyes have been covered as with a veil. Verse 15 says, yes, even today... When they read Moses, when they think of religious law, their hearts are covered with a veil and they do not understand who Jesus is. See, this is a problem in the world today. And it might even be a problem in the church today that people do not have a full revelation of what they're called to do or who they're called to be. If any of you have watched international news, you see that in the nation of Iran right now, there is mass upheaval. See, Iran is the Islamic Republic of Iran. 
They, the religion of Islam wants to put people under a heavy-handed obligation to try to please a God that will never be satisfied with their righteousness. They're put under slavery and bondage. This big revolution in Iran started because a young woman refused to wear a veil and she was beat to death. See, that's a reality in the world that there are dark, demonic religions holding people and wanting to kill, steal, and destroy them because they will not bow or they want, the, the enemy wants to keep the veil on them. See, when he keeps the veil over us, then we can no longer behold who we are or who he is. Because Jesus said, when you lose your life, you're going to truly find it. When you come and become who I've created you to be, you're going to discover so much more. But you got to come out from behind that veil. But see, there's a world who's living behind a veil. But for those of us who've called on Jesus, we know that veil has been lifted. Amen? That veil's been lifted. But what does he say here? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. He says, and all of us that have had the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of our Lord. He says, you've had that veil removed. Now you can see. But because you can see, there's this light shining upon your life. Galatians calls it the garment of his righteousness. And now he's called you to reflect the glory of God to the world around you. But beyond that, he says, and as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. See, what I want you to hear today, church, is that Jesus is telling you that he, I believe he wants you to hear this. You guys are a great commission church. You have a heart for the lost. You're praying for other churches in your community. What God has done up until now, he is well pleased, but he's calling you to a season of increase, of multiplication. Come up higher. Let's see him do more. Amen? So he's calling each one of you to come up higher with him. Now, I think about... a. a, one of our field workers in Central Asia in a very fundamentally Muslim part of the world. She is working um, covertly in an area where there's brick factories. And these brick factories put families in slavery for generation after generation. They get paid just enough to afford the rent of the home that the brick factory owner owns and some food. The children never, never go to school a day in their life. According to this mission, one of our missionaries, she says, all they know is the dust of the bricks and the smoke in the air. It's the only book they've ever read. During COVID, the brick factory owner uh, was not able to ship bricks out because of, you know, we all experienced that. And so these people that were so poor couldn't afford their food. And so he took, we have a picture of that our field worker took 13 women, some of the older women in the factory that weren't good workers anymore. He forced them to sell their kidneys to buy their food. We have a picture, 13 of them with a scar about from here to here on their back. See, this is the kind of veil that the world is covered in. And so this missionary, we call, call her T. She said, there's one group of young children. I think it's about four or five young children. Their parents both died. And she said, now 
they have no hope. They'll never be educated. They're living homeless inside the brick factory and they do work all day long, 12 to 18 hours a day just for food. She said, but I'm calling them higher. She brought them out of the brick factory. She's brought them into their home and she's discipling them. She's gonna multiply the kingdom of God into their life and say the cycle that's been permitted in your family for generations, I no longer permit it. It may have been allowed to happen, but now that the veil has been removed from my eyes, now that I see the harvest, I see who you are and the value that you have, I say no longer is this gonna be permitted on my watch. Amen. So God's calling us higher. And I believe that he's telling you that you are going to be a kingdom disciple maker, a kingdom influencer. And we're called to go and look at the world and say, this might be your reality now, but Jesus says he's calling you higher. Amen. The other thing I want you to understand is that he's calling you into a work of intimacy. Now, when we think of the great commission, I I hope that you understand that Jesus has a vision. His vision was that all men would know about what he has done for them. You know, he lived his sinless life and he made disciples. And then in Mark chapter 15, he's 16. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. After he raised from the dead, he's with his disciples. And right before he leaves the earth, he says, I want to tell you something that's very important to me. Everyone who believes on me, I want you to go and represent my kingdom. Matthew 28, he told us, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Beyond that, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. He was talking to Jews in Jerusalem at this time. This was their hometown. He said, I don't want you to leave from this place until you receive the power, the promise of my spirit. And he says, when the spirit has come upon you, you will be endued. You'll receive a heavenly gift of power. And you will be empowered to be a witness of me in your Jerusalem, your Judea, in your Samaria and to the uttermost. See, God's desire is that every single one of us would live from a position, a revelation that he has not only saved us and redeemed us, but he has commissioned us to go and penetrate society and witness of who he is, what he has done in your Jerusalem. That's people like you, your Judea. That's people that are nearby that you have access to your Samaria. That's people that might be different than you might have a different language or religion, but they live near you. And to the ends of the earth. See, that's a commission. And if we don't watch it, see, in the West, we, we assimilate our work with our identity so much. And we might even make a mistake of thinking that this is an unaccomplishable task that a taskmaster has handed to us. But that's not at all what this is. See, what God is speaking to us when he handed us this commission is it's an invitation into an intimacy and a partnership with him. See, when he goes on in Matthew 28, 18, I'm sorry, 28, 20, he says, I want you to go preach the gospel to every nation, make disciples of all nations and realize that baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them something really important. I want you to hear this. Remember of this, always be sure of this. 
I am with you always. I'm with you always. And when Pastor Steve was praying against discouragement, I believe there's someone in this room that's been dealing with overwhelming discouragement. And what Jesus wants you to hear is, I'm with you. I'm with you always. I'm with you when you're making the right decisions. I'm with you when you're just not feeling it. I'm with you when you wish things were different. I'm with you when you're out feeling all the power. I'm with you always. But see, what I want you to do is I want you to be with me. Don't just do what, ask me to be with you and what you're doing, but come and do what I'm doing in the earth. Be with me and let's go and let's touch nations. Let's go and touch our community. Let's go and touch our families. And, and listen, I'm not going to ask you to do it on your own. I want to do it with you. Some people, I believe in this room, feel like you, you may have felt like there was a time in your life where every time you prayed, the prayer was instantly answered. You may have felt like there was a time where I remember when I first got saved, I would get in the shower every morning and just say the word Jesus and chills would fill my whole body. And then I don't know if you can identify with me, but at some point it seems like things happen in our life. Life happens, society happens, whatever happens. And all of a sudden we wake up and we no longer feel that presence. Maybe you feel a little bit burnt out. But what I want to tell you this morning that I believe God wants you to hear is I am with you. He is with you. Amen? My question is, do you want to be with him? In Joshua chapter 5, we hear the story of the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River. And see, they had been 40 years in the wilderness and they were used to certain things. They were used to get, picking up bread every day off the ground. They were used to being led by a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke every day. And then in Joshua chapter 5, God calls them to cross over the Jordan River into the land that he had promised them. And you know what happened? They crossed over. And then you know what he told them? I got some news for you guys. No more manna. No more free bread. He said, from now on, I want you to go and I want you to harvest the grain of the land and roast it. And I want you to make your own bread. And manna was never seen from that day forward is what the Bible says. Now, Jesus comes on scene in John, I believe it's chapter five. He comes on scene and he says, guess what, guys? Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. What he's saying is, unless you participate with what my body's going to do, with what my blood will accomplish, you have no part of me. We call that communion now. And sometimes we just think of it as a simple little part of a church service once a month where we drink juice and eat bread. But what Jesus is calling you into is the power and demonstration. See, when his body was broken, all of our infirmities were were cured. He says, my body's healing the sick. Now come in in intimacy with me. I want you to go and heal a sick world. The chastisement of your peace was upon me. I took that upon my shoulders. So now I give you a message of peace and reconciliation. A world that's gone crazy. Come with me. Let's heal this world. He's calling you into an intimate, 
partnership with him in a world healing uh, move. Is that amazing? The third thing I want you to know is that God is calling us to mend a broken world. Anybody know the world's broken? Jesus says this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Church, I believe the third thing that he wants you to hear this morning is he's calling us to heal a broken world. You know, in Acts chapter one, Jesus ascended up into heaven And I like to think of it, I I read a book one time that tells the story of what may have happened later. Jesus goes up into heaven, he comes up into the heavenly gates, and he holds the keys to sin and death in his hand. And he says, I've done it, I have victory over sin and death. Anyone who believes upon me now has freedom from sickness, from disease, from sin, from guilt, from shame, from generational curses, from poverty. It's all been settled through what I've done on the cross. And angels are worshiping and shouting. Can you picture it? And picture that the angels come to him and they say, Lord God, so tell us now everybody on the earth is bowing in reverence because you're the heavenly king that has the name that's higher than every other name. And he says, no. Not at all. Oh, but all of the kings of the earth, they all believe that you reign supreme. And he says, no, I only met one king and he actually helped hang me on the cross. Imagine the confusion that those angels would experience. And he says, but wait, I got 12 guys. Oh, really important men, right? No, 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 no. They're fishermen, tax collectors, some kids. That doesn't sound like a very good plan, Lord. What's your plan B? And he looks at them and he looks at you and he says, I'm going to heal a broken world. I've come that the blind might see, that the oppressed might be set free, that the brokenhearted might be restored. And I've chosen you and I have no plan B. See, he's called you. He's chosen you to walk with him, to see the nations know him, to see your communities and your families restored. He's anointed you, given you his spirit, and he has no plan B. Isn't that good news? Yeah. You can clap for that. That's all right. I would be excited too if I were you. See, this isn't a heavy-handed obligation. This is an invitation to see the world transformed through the power of God moving through you. So he's calling us to action. Now you say, that's really good for you. I'm glad that you moved to Iraq. I don't want to move to Iraq. Well, here's what I believe that every single one of you can do, no matter where God's calling you, whether he's calling you to be a witness in your hometown, in your workplace, serving in your local church if he's calling you to partner with one of these other global partners and see the the power of God transform a nation, here's what we can all do. We can all go into all the world. He said, your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and to the uttermost. Listen, he didn't say one of the four. He said all four simultaneously. He's calling us all to go into all the world. 
I want to encourage you that if you're here today and you have not been a part of a global ministry or you've not been a part of serving your community, just make a decision that today I choose to partner in intimacy with him. I choose to let him call me to a higher level. I choose to go and mend a broken world. I will go into my world. If you don't know how, talk to somebody in the lobby. He says, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. In Matthew chapter nine, he looked at people and they were messed up. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. People's hearts are ready, but there's no one engaging them. The laborers are few. So I wanna encourage you to begin to pray for those who are far from God. Begin to pray for missionaries. Pray for opportunities for God to use you. Pray for the ministries that you're connected to, to bear more fruit, to multiply, so that the kingdom of God can come on earth as it is in heaven. And send out messengers. Romans chapter 10, verse six, uh, uh, 9, no, I think it's 10, verse 15, says that people cannot hear the gospel preached unless they be sent. You know, it used to take years. It used to take so much focus and time and energy and money to get one field worker into the field. But now you know that ministries like Ames, we can have a missionary in the field for $1,200 a year in some of these places. These people already have the language. They already know the context. They already eat the food. They don't get sick when they're there because they lived, they grew up in that region. We can send out those laborers. You can ra- you're raising up your young people in this church. You're making disciples of them and sending them into your community as salt and light. But we have to be a church that says we will send out laborers, messengers of the kingdom into the field. So I wanna challenge everyone here today that you can be a person that says, yes, Lord, I accept that call to go up higher. You can be a person that says, yes, Lord, I want you to raise me up and I wanna walk in intimacy with you. And you can be a person that says, I accept this call to see a broken world restored. I'll no longer relegate that responsibility or that opportunity to other people, but I accept this call. And I believe that together we can make a difference among the nations. Amen? So if you will, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I wanna pray with you. And I, and I pray, God, that your spirit would come and, and just impact every life in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them about the opportunities that they have. Speak to them about the unreached of the world, God. These four, these 7,000 groups, 3 billion people. God, I pray that you'd begin to break our hearts for what breaks your heart. That the, the, the opportunity of working together with you, filled with your spirit, would become more appealing, more satisfying than anything the world can offer. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon these people in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that you'd stir our hearts to come into alignment with your desire that in, from Church of the Savior, we would see a move of your presence. We would see, God, that you're doing new things. You're healing, you're restoring, you're redeeming, God. You're setting the captives free in the name of Jesus. And I wanna ask you today, if you're here and you say, you know what, I've heard you talking about darkness. I've heard you talking about being discouraged. I've never known the love of God. I'm here by accident. 
or I don't know why I'm here, but God is stirring me and I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus to save me. I want him to heal me. I want his joy in my life. We call that being saved. We call that letting God become your Lord and your savior. And all you have to do is call on him, receive what he's done for you. And if you're here today and you say, I want that for my life. I've never experienced it before, but I want it. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would raise your hand so I can see you. I want to pray with you personally. Okay, I see you. I see your hands. Thank you, sir. I see your hand, sir. Praise God. I see your hand. Well, I believe that God's doing a work. He's calling people back to himself. And he's moving hearts today. So I want to just ask you, if you're, if you're here in the room and you said, I want that, I want to encourage you right now to just pray with me. Just say, Lord God, I receive what you've done for me. You laid down your life for me. You made me new because of the blood that you shed on the cross. I give you all of my sin. I give you all of my pain. And I make you the Lord of my life. I declare that my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Steve, thank you, church. Let's stand, can we? During our final time of worship, a time of consecration, if this is your church home, if your guests are new, please feel no compulsion. But if this is your church home, as we continue to worship, would you come forward and place your card there in the offering basket? And uh, the altar is open for you to do business with the Lord. He's, he calls everybody, and everybody's just as called as anyone else. He calls us to different things. So come to the altar. Do business with him. There's people that will pray with you on the wings. Let the Lord have his way in your life. To the hopeless, peace to the restless, you are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Would you just sing this with me? Sing greater. Greater things are yet to come. And greater things are here to be done in this city. Who believes that this morning? Greater things are yet to come. And greater things are still to be done in this city. 
on, just lift your voice and sing with me. You're the God of this city, King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light of this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. Peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things and greater things are yet to done. And greater things are still to be done in this city. Oh, lift your voice and sing. time in world history to be alive this is the greatest time right now instead of despair you should be excited because the Lord is bringing revival to the nations of the earth and he's not going to pass our country by either we have an awakening it has started and it's coming and all of us all of you have a part to play you're on the planet because you have a part to play Lord Jesus, we honor you. We bless you. We want to come up higher, closer, more holy, 
obedient. And Lord, we thank you that you've called us to be your partners. And Lord, we're excited about what you're going to do here in Lexington, our state, this nation, and the nations of the earth. Lord, release hope and tell people what to do next. In Jesus' name, amen. Slip out quietly. There's people still praying. You're welcome to hang out at the altar. There's people that will pray with you on both sides. Pick up your children. Have a great day.